White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. And it's pretty deep out and left, and this ball is gone. How about that? How about that timing? <laughs> this presentation of the ESPN 1000 Chicago White Sox Network is brought to you by Wintrust Bank and Mazda of Orland Park. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome on in. Fred Huebner with you here for White Sox Weekly. The next two hours, White Sox talk after a nice win last night over the Boston Red Sox. A, um, I guess you'd say a depleted Red Sox team because of COVID and other things. J.D. Martinez was taken out of the lineup with a back injury, a late move last night, and the White Sox go on to a victory over the Red Sox. We'll take your phone calls for the next couple hours. Got lots of things to get into. Um, the White Sox get a 4-3 win last night. By the way, the number, 312-332-3776. Talking uh, lots of White Sox as there's so many different things to talk about as the White Sox now 21 games over 581 and 60. They lead the season series over Boston three games to two. Uh, two more games coming up, one tonight, 6-10 first pitch, and then tomorrow afternoon, and the White Sox get Lance Lynn back on the hill tomorrow, so it should be a fun time for White Sox fans heading out to Guaranteed Raid Field. They had a good time last night as the White Sox knocked off the Red Sox by a final of 4-3. to three. We'll get into a lot of things throughout the course of the show. I mentioned uh, something I was thinking about. A lot of White Sox fans still have all of our memorabilia from that uh, 2005 World Series championship team. And I was just thinking, when you look at the White Sox on the field now, which White Sox players would you like to have from the 05 team on your current team to make you feel maybe a little bit better going down the stretch and heading into the playoffs? We'll discuss that. We'll discuss a lot of things throughout the course of the show here on ESPN 1000, uh, Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. Here until 5.30, then the pregame show and a first pitch at 6.10 tonight. Dylan Cease going for the White Sox. And um, Dylan Cease has been pitching very, very well. We'll get into some of his numbers and all those things. An 11-game lead for the White Sox entering tonight's action. Their magic number is 12. Now, I'm an, I'm an old-timer. I'm one of those guys who I don't get all worked up about the magic number because it's inevitable. I mean, the White Sox, for how long, have known they're going to win the American League Central Division. They have an 11-game lead right now over Cleveland. Um, the Sox have not gone on long, long losing streaks or anything like that. Knock on wood or whatever you want to. There's just a bunch of Formica in here in the studios. But everybody is eager to see the magic number reduced to zero. That's fine. I'm looking ahead. I'm looking ahead of that. I don't usually celebrate magic numbers unless it comes down to the last couple of days and you're trying to beat out another team. We know the White Sox are going to win the American League Central it's just a matter of what day, what time. Uh, are they going to win to get in? Are they going to be having an off day and then get in? Um, but right now, the magic number uh, does stand at 12 uh, over at Cleveland. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Not a problem. That, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a lot more. And um, last night, we got a lot. We got a lot. A lot of men left on base. I know, sounds like I'm complaining. But you know the funny thing is, when your team's really good 
and something doesn't go your way or something doesn't go their way, you get a little upset. You get a little concerned. It's a 162-game season. And I know that Tony LaRussa is a guy that has been out there and he's trying to get them through this time with all the players that have been on the IL. I mentioned Lance Lynn coming off, Lucas Giolito coming off. He's going to pitch on Tuesday. Uh, We still don't know about Tim Anderson when he's going to come off. But as a fan sitting there watching the game last night, I'm sitting there writing down, keeping score of the games as I do whenever I got to work the next day. And I'm looking at the White Sox in the um, fourth inning. They score a run. Gavin Sheets got on base because of an error. And um, they get a run. Luis Robert comes up. And Robert actually helps them get that uh, fourth run of the game in the fourth inning. As he did something he doesn't do all the time, but he went the other way. Sheets the runner at third. Hernandez at first. Here's the 0-1. Ground ball through the right side. And the White Sox lead it 4 to nothing on an RBI single from Luis Robert. Yep. Connor McKnight on the call as the White Sox took a 4 nothing lead. But in that inning, they left men on base. And it was frustrating. They left three men on base in that inning. The inning before that, when they got um, a majority of the runs, they had a couple of men on, and Jose Abreu came to the plate in the third. First and second, they take their leads. Here's the 0-2 pitch, pounded in the left. Danny Santana turns around, and it's gone! Jose Abreu with an 0-2 3-run shot. And the White Sox lead it 3 to nothing. I know my producers go nuts. He goes, why are you running the highlights backwards? Well, I'm trying to make a point here. They left three men on base in the fourth inning. In the third, they get a three-run homer from Abreu. And then Jimenez is on base. There's a guy hit by pitch. Grandal's on base. And what happened? I mean, they could score more runs. Put up a big, big number, right? And Eloy Jimenez gets picked off second base. You can't have this stuff happening. He's not going anywhere. He's not stealing third. And they were able to throw him out. Nice play by their catcher as Vasquez takes the pitch, throws down to second base, and gets Eloy straying a little bit too far off the base. But the White Sox leave a run around in the first, one in the third after Eloy gets picked off. It would have been two. Three in the fourth, one in the fifth, one in the sixth, three more in the eighth inning when they can't score. Goodwin walks. Hernandez with a single. Robert bounces into a fielder's choice on some nice defensive play by Boston as they they plugged up the middle. Robert hitting the ball up the middle a lot. He does it. He beats out the throw. Then Moncada gets hit by pitch for the second time. Moncada was on base four times yesterday. A walk, two hit by pitch, and a single. And then Abreu strikes out. But um, the White Sox, for the game, they got on base with six walks, three hit by pitches, six hits, and an error. They got on base 14 times. And they scored just the four runs from two swings of the bat. The Jose Abreu three-run homer and then the RBI single from Luis Robert. That's a little concerning to me when you come off back-to-back games in Oakland where you only score one run in each game. You score a total of two runs in the last two games, both losses to the Oakland A's. So I would love to see the White Sox put up some runs. And I'm not even talking about a big run display tonight. 312-332-3776. Your thoughts on the White Sox and their offense as we move forward. I'm just talking about get some guys on, get them over, get them in, okay? Old school baseball. I know that right now in today's day of baseball, it's home run, home run or nothing, and that works pretty well most of the time. 
And uh, it's been working out pretty well for the White Sox in the second half of the season. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But the other nice thing to see last night was after a little bit of a rest, Carlos Rodon out on the bump. Now, Rodon, now 4-0 with a 180 earned run average, 26 strikeouts, and a 203 opponent's batting average over his last four starts. He went five innings yesterday, pitched very, very well, give up just three hits, a run on a homer by Dahlbeck. Uh, no walks. I love seeing no walks. That is so nice to see. You look at Boston, they walk six. Okay, Rodon walked nobody. Kopech walked one, and um, Kimbrell walked one. The White Sox, as a staff yesterday, walked just two hitters while striking out 11. That's nice to see. But if you watch the game, going into the game, I had it written on my notes, Carlos Rodon, his velo is down, his velocity down the last couple of starts, but he's been able to work his way through it. Not yesterday. He's throwing 96. He's throwing 97. He struck out um, He struck out a, a batter late in the contest when he was play, pitching. I got it written down right here. And he go, brings it oh, in the third inning. He strikes out Kike uh, Hernandez going 98 miles an hour. And after the game, Rodon talked about relying on his fastball. We've getting some swing and misses on fastballs and getting some big outs with fastballs that definitely puts confident in that pitch. And, you know, uh, as we know, we have, I have a very good slider. Um, relied heavy on that throughout my career. Um, but it's nice to have, you know, two pitches that are, I guess, considered put-away pitches. Yeah, it was, and it was very nice last night. Nice to see Carlos Rodon. Now the question is, um, is he really, really good on longer rest? because he did have a longer rest period, and um, he threw the ball really, really well. I'm looking here, and he's when he gets extended rest, does very well. Um, we'll see how things go for Rodon as we move on and go forward. 312-332-3776 here on White Sox Weekly. So Rodon pitched well. He talked about his overall outing in his five innings. The third inning, I had to, to reach back for a few. Um Got the strikeouts that we needed. Um, fourth was good. Try to get some quick outs, but I mean, they put together. I, I think three or four at bats that were uh, eight to ten pitches that worked my pitch count up. So they did a pretty good job with that. Um, but I'm happy they let me go out for the fifth. And that's nice to see because sometimes when a guy's coming back after a little bit of rest with a sore shoulder or a tired arm, whatever you want to call it, uh, they pull a guy after he's gone out there a little bit. But Tony LaRusso let him go back out there for the fifth inning, and he finishes for the game with 86 pitches thrown for the White Sox. 86 pitches, 62 were strikes. And then the White Sox went to the bullpen. And when I say went to the bullpen, they went for a lot of guys. Kopech for two-thirds, Bummer a third, Tapera two-thirds, Crochet a third, and then the back end of the bullpen, Kimbrell an inning, Hendricks an inning. And that was nice to see as the White Sox get the victory 4-3 to three over the Red Sox yesterday. We'll take your calls. We'll talk some White Sox baseball. A lot of things to get into throughout the course of the show. We're here all the way till 5.30, leading you up to... The uh, pregame show for tonight's contest, the White Sox and the Red Sox, Dylan Cease taking the hill 
for the Southsiders. Hey, join us on Sunday, September 12th. That would be tomorrow as the White Sox take on the Red Sox at 110. The first 15,000 fans will receive a Los White Sox jersey presented by Coca-Cola. Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola and enjoy the game. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. 312-332-3776. Let me know what your thoughts are about Carlos Rodon. Nice to see him get back out on the bump. And when you see when Rodon was sitting down for a little while, getting an extended rest, you see that Lance Lynn was on the IL, Lucas Giolito on the IL. They'll all be back. Lynn tomorrow, Giolito on Tuesday as the White Sox take on the Angels. So good things for the South Siders. Let us know how, let me know how you feel going forward as the White Sox with eighty one and sixty as a record, twenty one games over. The magic number is twelve. They got a couple more against the Red Sox. We'll talk about it when we come back. There's a lot of close games this team has been playing. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's Fred Hubner with you. 312-332-3776. White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000. Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN 1000. White Sox and the Red Sox go at it a little bit later on this evening. A 6-10 first pitch will lead you right up to the pregame at 5-30. Fred Hubner with you here on White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. 312-332-3776. Your thoughts on seeing Carlos Rodon get back out there, throw the ball very, very well last night for the White Sox, or if you want to talk about all the men left on base. 11 guys left on base yesterday. Um, the White Sox did get some run production, a three-run homer from Jose Abreu in the third, and Luis Robert with an RBI single. They could have added more. It would have been nice to get a few more insurance runs. So it's not so nerve-wracking in the last couple of innings when Kimbrell and Hendricks are out there. 312-332-3776. Speaking of close games, you lose a couple of games in Oakland. You only score one run. Last night... Uh, you have a 4 nothing lead, you hang on, you get out of there with a 4-3 lead. And after the game, Tony La Russa was asked if um, he was having fun with that one. I like those games. You know, when you get so far ahead, you can't mess them up. But, uh, no, it's just it's a tribute to their offense. They just kept plugging in. They kept putting some situations where you had to go to the next man up, you know, especially in that left-hand situation. If they weren't left-handers, both Kopech had stayed in, so would uh, Tapera, you know, but uh, – they, you know, they just, they're a tough group. They really are. And uh, we matched them. It was a good win for us. Yeah, it was a very good win. And I mentioned earlier, and you want to jump in, 312-332-3776. They went uh, deep in the bullpen yesterday, losing using six relievers. Uh, Kopech went two-thirds of an inning, gave up a hit, a walk. He struck out a couple. He faced just four batters. Then Bummer came in and got the out the White Sox needed. Tapera was in. Gave up a couple of runs, three hits, and then Crochet came in to get out of the inning before Kimbrell and Hendricks came in and each went uh, an inning in the eighth and ninth inning. And as Tony was saying, they would have left Kopech and Tapera in if it wasn't for the tough lefties coming to the plate. Bummer and Crochet, the left-handed pitchers, came in. I'll be interested to see who is available, who is um, able to go again today. You wouldn't think it would be very, very difficult for uh, Bummer or um, Crochet to come back in. I'm looking here at the number of pitches that the two throw through. Um, Bummer threw two pitches. Crochet threw six. Okay, 
Tapera threw 18 pitches, 11 were strikes. And, and to be honest with you, uh, he didn't pitch badly. Um, the first guy up that he faced drops a little blooper over the uh, first baseman's head. Brian Goodwin comes in to grab it, can't get it. It goes for a triple. That was Dahlbeck. Um, and he ends up scoring on a Vasquez uh, ground out. Santana singles to right. Um, he gets the second on a wild pitch, and then um, he 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 moves on after a single by Iglesias. And so it, it, he didn't pitch poorly, but he wasn't able to shut him down. And once that first runner got on him, you'd figure, okay, good, you got out of it. The runner's on third base. He scores. You're still up four to two. But then the uh, the hits late by Santana, and then by Iglesias. Uh, actually, Verdugo, who came in, made it a little bit more difficult, and then Crochet came in, and uh, he did what needed to be done. 312-332-3776. But you want to see the White Sox do some more with the, the bats. You want to see them uh, drive the ball a little bit more. Now, home runs, they've been doing it. They've been very, very home run happy. We'll get to the home run stats in a second. Um, homers are nice. We didn't see them as Sox fans the first half of the season this year. Second half of the season, we've seen a lot of them. Last night, you saw Jose Abreu going deep. We're going to talk a lot more about Jose Abreu, too, because of all the guys on the White Sox, uh, Jose Abreu has been unbelievable again. I know it's a word that a lot of people, a lot of broadcasters don't use the word unbelievable because if it happened, you can believe it. It happened. Um Abreu needs one home run to join Frank Thomas and Paul Konerko as the only players in Sox history with five career 30-homer, 100-RBI games. The numbers he's putting up are amazing. And there's some other great stuff about Jose Abreu. We're going to talk about him a little bit more in a couple minutes. 312-332-3776. But the home runs are something that we've seen a lot more from from the White Sox. They've done it in the second half of the season. The Sox have hit 94 home runs. Since June 30th, that's 63 games, the third most in Major League Baseball. So they hit 94 homers in 63 games. Before that, they hit just 72 in their first 78 games. During that stretch, 55 of those were in games at home. 55 homers in 28 games at Guaranteed Rate Field, the launching pad known as Guaranteed Rate Field. 39 homers in 34 road contests. So the White Sox have been hitting the long ball, and it's been working. They have hit four-plus home runs ten times this season, including eight since um, June 30th. So the White Sox are playing with the long ball. But, again, you want to see them get on base. You want to see them drive guys in. You want to see old-school baseball a little bit because it's not going to just going to be the homers that's going to get you the victories when you get into the postseason. And right now, as it's been for weeks and weeks and several months, when it gets to the postseason, it'll be the White Sox playing down in Houston. Uh, the White Sox are closer to the Astros as right now you look at the uh, at the standings and the White Sox are within reach. Maybe they can, you know, play better down the stretch here, get above Houston, get home field. Um, that would be nice to see for the White Sox. 312-332-3776 is the number. Um, the home runs have been great, great to see. Um the this, home runs have been resulting in victories, which is nice. I know people are telling me, yeah, you're looking for this, you're looking for that. Sox are still winning. And yes, they are. They're 69 and 23 when hitting a home run. That's pretty darn good. It's almost almost three to uh almost three to one. 
when he hit multiple home runs, they're almost unbeatable. 38-5 and five once they hit more than one home run. When they don't homer, 12-37. and 37. Now, I guess you can say that with most teams in baseball, but the way the White Sox have started hitting the long ball here late in the season, in the second half of the season, it's really turned things around. And their record, I think, right now with the win yesterday, I think they're two games above five hundred since the All-Star break. There are other teams that are close and have not run out and played well. Ozzie Guillen with a great explanation of this on the NBC um, postgame, NBC Sports postgame show yesterday, talking about how it's a long season. We all know that, 162 games. And sometimes you run out to a big lead, you get injuries, you're resting guys, it's going to be like this. And a couple games over 500 is not bad. If you were a couple games under 500, that would be worse. And we would be probably a little more concerned than we are right now. So let's talk more White Sox. We're here all the way till 530-312-332-3776. The White Sox get the uh, Red Sox. We'll preview the game uh, with Dylan Cease a little bit later on. Nice to see Dylan Cease go out there. He's pitched very, very well at home. Uh, we will preview it, but one thing I want to make sure I told you about Dylan Cease: six and two with a two fifty three earned run average, um, and fourteen home starts this year. So that's nice to see from Dylan Cease, and he gets the start at home against the Red Sox. He has struck out ten batters in five of his last nine ba- uh, starts at Guaranteed Rate Field. So something to look forward to as we move on and look forward to tonight's game. Uh, Before we go any further, let's take a quick pause for stations to identify themselves on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. From the First Midwest Bank State Street Studio, this is the home of the White Sox. ESPN 1000. WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. So the White Sox with a um, 81 and 60 record, they're trying to go four and two against the Red Sox this year. The Red Sox 80 and 63. I mentioned they've had injuries. Uh, Chris Sale was originally scheduled to go in Sunday's game, but he had to be scratched because of COVID reasons. And uh, if you notice, yesterday all of the Red Sox coaches were wearing masks. Um, Joey Cora, all the other coaches wearing masks in the dugout for the Boston Red Sox. They're trying to reduce and stay as healthy as they possibly can down the stretch. And then what happens? Then they have J.D. Martinez goes out with a back injury. Uh, the Red Sox lineup not out as of yet. Um, I would not be surprised if it comes out late like yesterday. The original lineup had J.D. Martinez in it yesterday, and then they had to make a change because the back problem. So we'll see how things go. Uh, we have a White Sox lineup out Um let me run it down real quickly, at least the one I see right here on the White Sox site. We have Luis Robert in uh, center field, Yohan Moncada playing third, Jose Abreu's at first, Eloy is designated hitter again tonight. Yesterday on the pregame show with Len Casper, Tony La Russa said the odds were that Eloy would be the DH all three games this weekend. Yasmani Grandal is catching, hitting fifth, Larry Garcia at short, hitting sixth, Romy Gonzalez is in the lineup in left field. Brian Goodwin in right field, and uh, Cesar Hernandez is at second base for the White Sox as they get to go against a guy making his major league debut, right-handed pitcher Connor Siebold going for the Red Sox today. That is a 6-10 first pitch at guaranteed rate field. The White Sox looking to um, continue their, their success at home, and they've been getting it and playing very well at home, and the crowds have been awesome 
Absolutely amazing. So much fun watching the game, listening to Connor McKnight and Jay Hood yesterday. And it's funny, too. I, I talk to a lot of people. They go, well, I couldn't sync up the TV. The radio was a little behind the TV. It's real simple, people. Most people have a DVR that you're watching a game on. And here's my solution, okay, because I do it every night because I listen to Len and DJ. Last night I listened to Connor and Jay Hood. Here's the solution. It's real simple. When you see a pitch thrown, as soon as the ball hits the catcher's glove or the ball's hit, pause it. And then on the radio, when you hear that that same thing, let your pause up. Boom. You've just synced up the game. And you can listen to tonight, Len Casper and Connor McKnight, right, on the, on the broadcast. So you can listen to that later on this evening. Yesterday was fun listening to Hoodie, a lifelong White Sox fan. I've known Jay Hood for decades, literally decades. And uh, he's been a White Sox fan, a diehard Sox fan. Had to be so nice for him to call that game last night. And uh, even nicer to get a 4-3 White Sox win. Probably wasn't so happy that it was a 3-hour and 48-minute game, but he was able to just suck every single minute and every pitch out of that contest in his first game up in the broadcast booth for the White Sox. 312-332-3776. We're going to talk about the 05 White Sox. That's right, the White Sox who won the World Series championship. Ask a question, who would you want from the 05 World Series championship team if you could get them, pluck them off and put them on this year's team as we go down the stretch. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you. We come back in moments right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Ask your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. And if for some reason your smart speaker doesn't do it, then just ask it to play ESPN Chicago. For some reason, my smart speaker has gotten finicky, and I ask for ESPN 1000, and it plays ESPN Network. So, I'm not sure what's going on. I gotta have words. Sit down with my smart speaker. So, if you play, ask for ESPN 1000, and they start playing the uh, network broadcast, then just ask for ESPN Chicago. One way or another, the smart speaker is a great, great way to listen to the station. Great way to listen to White Sox broadcasts. Also a great way to listen to White Sox Weekly each and every Saturday, two hours before the pregame for that Saturday's game. Don't forget, close out the regular season with two lower-level tickets for $30. There's still plenty of exciting White Sox baseball to come this season, so be there for all of it. For tickets and more information, visit whitesox.com slash closer. 312-332-3776. Wanted to, I was driving around the other day and I'm thinking, man, there's just like one or two spots in this, on this team that I'd like to get somebody else in here that, that may be able to push this team to get that World Series championship. Similar to the World Series championship we had in 2005 as White Sox fans. And there's a couple of positions that, yeah, you have guys that are, stepping up but the question for all of you out there 312-332-3776 who would you want from the 2005 world series championship team on this team where's the one or two or three positions i'm looking for just one but if you have more let me know 312-332-3776 now the first thing i thought of you look at people you don't want to be replaced okay you got tim anderson when he's healthy at shortstop Juan Uribe was nice, but 
he's no Tim Anderson, okay? So you're not replacing your shortstop. Paul Konerko was really nice and really good, but you're not replacing a guy that drives in 100 runs a season in Jose Abreu. Second base, Cesar Hernandez. The White Sox picked him up at the trade deadline in exchange for Nick Madrigal. But Tadahito Aguchi wasn't bad. I don't know. Would you like a Tadahito at second base instead of a Cesar Hernandez? Now, left field, many people would say anybody but Eloy Jimenez when it comes to the postseason because you don't want to have him out there. But you'd hate to move him. Okay, now, Scotty Pods played a lot of left field. But uh, you're not taking a bat like Eloy Jimenez is out of there. Now, the DH for the White Sox a lot of time was Carl Everett back in the day. Okay. Center field, Aaron Rowan was a uh, – everybody loved Aaron Rowan. He'd go back, run his face into the wall in Philadelphia, things like that. But you're not moving him. You're not bringing him in for a Luis Robert. But in right field, okay, Andrew Vaughn may be in right field. Gavin Sheets may be in right field. Brian Goodwin may be in right field. Or the World Series MVP, Jermaine Dye. Okay? I kind of like to see a Jermaine Dye in right field, a guy to solidify the spot. No platooning. He's there. He's our guy in right field. Um, Third base, Joe Creedy was really good. Creedy was nice. I'm looking at some of the stats right here. Joe Creedy, um, 252, well, look at that, not that good, 252, 303, 454. But you're not moving Yoan Moncada for a Joe Creedy. But behind the plate, boy, behind the plate, A.J. Pruszynski or Yasmani Grandal. Now, A.J. hit 257, 308 on base, 420 slug. Okay, for the season, 18 homers, 56 RBIs. You're probably not going to replace him. But if I could have Yasmani's on base and A.J. behind the plate, I would probably take that. Um, because Yasmani behind the plate still makes me a little bit itchy. Um, I like a little more success behind the plate. I asked our guy, Sean Davis, earlier today. And, and Sean, you weren't even thinking a position player, were you? You didn't want a position player. Not at all. No. No. You can't have enough starting pitching. I need either. another starter. <laughs> Give me another starter I can depend on. I'll take Contreras or, Contreras or Burley. Okay. Either one. And, and to be the four to be the four behind Rodon, Giolito, and Lynn? If I have Burley, he's pitching game two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Burley's pitching game two. I got you. 312-332-3776. Your thoughts. If you can grab one guy off the 05 World Series championship team, to plop him into this lineup, and obviously the old five version of him, not the version of him now, you know, you wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want anybody this much, you know, this late uh, in their career. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Let's grab a call first. Let's go to uh, Russell and Mundelein. Russell, what's happening? Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going well. What's out? What's going on today? Uh, not much. Definitely going with either Burley or Burley Contreras or Dye. Uh, can never have too much starting fishing, especially in the playoffs. And, and Keiko has been a letdown so far lately. So I'm going with Contreras. How do you get a hot year that year? How do you feel about the right the right field position? Because I know they've been every other day. You got somebody else in right field. Brian Goodwin's out there today. We've seen Gavin Sheets out there. We've seen Andrew Vaughn out there. Heck, Gavin Sheets was in left field yesterday too, which I think was the first time he played left field. Uh, are you concerned about that position going forward, or you think that it'll work with the platooning system? 
I think uh, for all the smash people talk about Tony LaRusso, he's good at playing the hot hand. So once we have uh, angle, heat, good win, we can we can make it work. Uh, the other wild card would be Bobby Jenks with all the question marks at, at closer. But sure. I'll take uh, near a 20-game winner for sure. So yeah. Adam, Adam to the starting fishing. Yeah, I think you're right. Russell, appreciate the call. 312-332-3776. Who's the one or two guys you'd like to see um, from the 05 World Series championship team? And, and again, it's funny, too, because he mentioned Engel. I hate that, that I've forgotten about him. But he's been out so much this season. He was a guy, Adam Engel's been a guy over the last several years when I said, listen, all this guy's got to do is hit 250. And you can play him in the outfield wherever you want to put him. Left field, center field, right field. He is a guy you want in the outfield for you. And we saw what he did last year. He was able to hit. And he was getting some hits this year, too. And unfortunately, he couldn't stay in the lineup. Um, we haven't had much talk about Adam Engel. I'm not sure how that's going to work. 312-332-3776. get back to your phone calls. Who's the one guy you'd like to see from the old 5 World Series championship team on this year's team? Going forward, we'll take your calls. We got a lot of other things to get into. We'll look at tonight's game. Dylan Cease taking the bump for the White Sox. But let's check out uh, Rory out in Lions. Rory, what's happening today? Hey, uh, so the one guy I'd actually like to see is Orlando Hernandez. Somebody who can just come in with a really bad situation and shut down a team. So just like a, a, a guy in case somebody gets off to a bad start, you bring him in and help out, and then everything works, right? Yeah, and he has plenty of playoff experience too. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't deny his career. No, you can't. Yeah, appreciate the call, Rory. Thanks. Yeah, um, El Duque. Every time you think of El Duque, you just think bases loaded, uh, nobody out in Boston, and uh, he comes in and gets him out. Uh, there were so many highlights in the playoffs leading up to the World Series. It was funny because the World Series, I don't want to say anticlimactic, it's never anticlimactic, but you win, you win the World Series four straight. You had the extra inning game in game three. Um, you had Burley coming in as a, as a reliever. But, uh, yeah, the, the playoffs were so great with all four starters going complete games against the Angels, um, El Duque against Boston, uh, the A.J. play running to first base on what he said was a drop third against the Angels in the, in the first game. Um, just great, great stuff leading up to the World Series, which was we don't need no stinking six or seven or five or six games. No, 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 just four. That's all they needed back in 05 to take care of the Astros. Let's go to Tinley Park and Jeff. Jeff, what's happening today? Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I would have to say A.J. Pruszynski. I like his leadership behind the plate. And uh, any starting pitcher, I, I love our starting pitching in 05, so... Uh, but Burley, I might have to lean towards uh, with a pitcher if I was able to take two players. Yeah, I, I, Burley, especially the way he just went out there and threw the ball. There was no lollygagging. There's no delay, and he just took the ball and threw it and uh, did one heck of a job. Appreciate the call, Jeff. 312-332-3776. Yeah, AJ's always been a uh, favorite of mine. Um, and even though he wasn't... You know, he didn't get the hits. He doesn't have the on-base or everything else that Yasmani Grandal has. I never really worried too much behind the plate when A.J. was there. 
And uh, that was one of the reasons that I might lean towards A.J. Brzezinski. Hey, Sox fans, join us for the White Sox as they take on the Los Angeles Angels at 110 on Thursday, September 16th. The first 10,000 fans, ages 21 and over, will receive a Los White Sox t-shirt presented by Budweiser. White Sox fans, this Bud's for you. Purchase your tickets at whitesox.com. Do that today. 312-332-3776. Want to jump on in? We'll talk more about uh, the 05 World Series champion you may want uh, for the White Sox. It's funny because Ozzie was the manager of the White Sox in 05. Now you have Tony La Russa. And just think about it. Go back and think after the first 20 or 25 games this year as a White Sox fan, how most White Sox fans and most of the people here on this radio station uh, on ESPN 1000, we were critical of the uh, the old timer, uh, Tony La Russa, as the manager, the skipper, some of the things he was doing, some of the rules he didn't know, and having Liam Hendricks out at second base to start the 10th inning and things like that. But there's a lot of things that Tony has been able to do that show you the reason to bring a Hall of Fame manager in when you have the opportunity, and that's what the White Sox did by bringing Tony La Russa in. Now they stand 21 games over the 500 mark, uh, getting ready for the postseason. We'll talk more about that. We'll take more of your calls in the 05 White Sox uh, World Series Championship team, a guy you'd like to have from then on this year's team, and also anything you have to talk about with this year's team because it seems like the pitching is going to get back to it. Ronaldo Lopez did not pour, throw poorly against Oakland. Nice to have him as a guy that can fill in when you need him. Uh, Dallas Keuchel has struggled. He's he's admitted it. He knows it. Uh, and I guess that's not what they always say, right? The first thing is you have to know, realize you have a problem before you can fix the problem. Keuchel realizes he's got a problem right now. and uh, But you got Rodon back yesterday. You get Lynn back tomorrow. You get Giolito back on Tuesday. How happy are you going down the stretch? This is... This homestand right now for the White Sox, these games and the games against the Angels, the next-to-last homestand of the season. So if you haven't had a chance to get out to see the White Sox, make sure you do it and do it soon. When we come back, we'll take your calls. 312-332-3776 right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Waddle's World, weekdays 3.30 on ESPN 1000. Welcome back in White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox, a nice 4-3 win. It was nice. It was a little little worrisome, um, but the White Sox got the victory. They go tonight. Dylan Cease takes the hill. Last night, 34,365 and they, they say the weather at the first pitch was 77. Today is gorgeous. Tomorrow is going to be a little warmer. But um, just a great, great weekend to do anything uh, outside and uh, sitting there watching the White Sox play well, watching fireworks after the game last night. No doubt the uh, 34,000 stuck around and had a good time. Got to see a lot of people from the bullpen. And uh, we'll talk about that. We'll get you back to your phone calls in a second. 312-332-3776. But on the weekends, the broadcasters ask you questions. So for tonight, we have Len Asks. For Len Asks today, with the Red Sox in town fighting for a wild-card spot, which of the four wild-card contenders would potentially pose the toughest matchup for the Sox in a later-round AL playoff series? The Red Sox, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, or the Mariners? Ooh, 
which one would post a tougher. He had a couple of stipulations in there, tougher for a later round. So not opening round um, because opening round, we pretty much know is going to be the White Sox and the Astros. So which of the others would post a uh, the toughest? Boston, New York, Seattle, and also um, Toronto. And, um, yeah, those darn Blue Jays. And, of course, the Blue Jays, after they sweep the Yankees, they get beat yesterday uh, by the Orioles. And the Yankees, who've been struggling, they get, they get beat by the Mets yesterday. It's so hard to figure, Major League Baseball. And I guess that's one of the things you can f- say when you see the White Sox go out on the road and drop two out of three to Kansas City and two out of three to Oakland. Um, the struggles are, since the All-Star break, the White Sox are 1-6-1 one, and one in road series. That's not good. That's why if they can uh, play better down the stretch and get home field for that second round of the playoffs, that would make me a lot more comfortable having the other teams come here to play um, you know, with the White Sox as the home team here uh, in the postseason at Guaranteed Rate Field. Let's get back to the phones, 312-332-3776. We go to Wilmington and Mark. Mark, you're on ESPN 1000. What's happening? Always great coverage of the Sox, and I, I'm I'm still trying to get this team into the uh, the entire 2005 White Sox into Cooperstown. They were probably one of the great teams of baseball. 11 out of 12, and they broke the White Sox curse. And um, the two people that I would like to see is Tadaguchi and um, Juan Uribe, who made some unbelievable plays during the uh, playoffs. Probably saved the White Sox, you know, the Dodgers series, and yeah. probably from falling in, maybe even uh, back against the Indians. Then in the World Series, unbelievable great catches. So I, those two are the uh, my uh, two people that I would have on. And they were smart players, too. Well, it would be tough to have Uribe replace Tim Anderson because when Anderson's healthy and playing, I mean, it seems like he's the spark plug for this team right now. Yeah, and they, um, well, they went on to other World Series and everything else, and I... I just think that Ozzy Gein had some smart players. I don't think he was a great. I mean, he was a great manager and everything else. But he, I, I think they were smart players. He had that's that team was unbelievable, a great team. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. Sounds good. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the call. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Mark Mark brings up a point, and I bring this up every once in a while. When you see questionable plays in the field, and you see things that as a baseball fan or a guy that may have played baseball in high school or college or whatever, or little league or the playground, you see things on a nightly basis that you say, how could that happen? Don't they know the fundamentals? And part of me thinks that a lot of baseball has gotten so big into the hitting and so big into watching, um, bringing guys up because they can hit the ball, launch angle, exit velocity, all that stuff, on-base percentage, that they don't work on the fundamentals before they come up to the big leagues. A lot of times, guys would be in the minor leagues for two, three, four years before they made their way up into the big leagues. And during that time, they would be drilled on the fundamentals. Now, it doesn't seem like that's happening. I'd love to talk to some minor league instructors about that and how it works because it just feels to me that too many guys are being rushed into the big leagues before they're ready to play their positions in the field. Um, 
I say this all the time, and again, I'm an old guy. Uh, I'm one. I'm one of those old White Sox fans. I was one of the guys that was in uh, Comiskey Park um, back in 1967, September 10th, when Joel Horland threw the no hitter against the Tigers. I was there. Shows you how old I was. I was 10. You can do the math, okay? But back in the day, there used to be a phrase that people would use. This guy is good field, no hit, okay? You don't have good field, no hit guys anymore. Now, you may have good, you have, you may have guys that are supposed to be good hitters and they're good fielders, but nobody makes it to the big leagues now just based on their defensive abilities, People may say Billy Hamilton or guys like that. Okay, Billy Hamilton makes it because of his speed and his defensive ability and things like that. But you re- you used to have one or two guys on every team that was a good field, no-hit guy. You don't have that anymore. And a lot of times you do have that. And and our previous caller talked about uh, some smart players on the 05 White Sox. There were. A.J. was a very smart catcher. Juan Uribe was a guy that was a very smart player, okay? We didn't hear a lot from Juan Uribe, but if you ask any of his players, they'll tell you how smart he was. 312-332-3776, that's the number. We're going to talk a little bit about the back of the bullpen in a little bit, but first, let's get back to the calls. Let's go to Lions and Nick. Nick, you're on ESPN 1000, White Sox Weekly. What's up? Not much, man. How you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Uh Got a couple of points. It's, it's, I get the Tadahito Gucci point the last caller made because he was pretty good second baseman, but you, you can't substitute Uribe for Tim Anderson. I mean, no. that's just as far as what we've seen from Tim. I mean, to, to me, Uribe, when swag wasn't talk about, talked about, when Uribe hit a home run that followed through with the bat stuck in the ground behind him, you know, he had swag back then, but. <laughs> You, you, you can't put him in Tim Anderson's, you know, wheelhouse. But no. as far as giving me two guys from that old five season, I would do this. I would take Kernerko, and he'd be starting first, and Abreu would be the DH. Okay. Because Abreu has great DH numbers. You know what I mean? And I, and I might, I would have to say it, I would like to have Bobby Jenks as my closer over Liam Hendricks. Would you? Interesting. I, you know, let me tell you something about Jose Abreu, and I've been trying to say this for a while, but I got mm-hmm. numbers here. Jose Abreu, right. Jose Abreu ranks among the American League first baseman fielding leaders in error runs, ultimate zone ranking, fielding percentage, and zone rating. He's actually a really good defensive player, which actually Paul Canerco turned into too, I think. Don't you? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. They both turned into good defensive players, so I, I hate to put um, Abreu on, you know, as a DH just because of his def- his lack of defensive ability. Because it's actually he saved he saved Yoan Moncada from a lot of errors this year, and some from TA too. Well, no, I was just saying that because I would rather have right. Abreu at DH and take Eloy out of that and put him back in left field because since he's been back, he's looked pretty good. He hasn't been, you know. Yeah, he, has, he hasn't run into any walls. He hasn't been into the screen or the <laughs> netting or any of that stuff. Sometimes he he dove for a ball about two weeks ago. He dove for a ball and slid for a ball, and it missed his glove, and it almost hit him in the head. And, I remember that. Yeah, that, that worried me a little bit. But, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he, you, you hate this. And then he gets hurt. I've never seen anybody get hit sitting in the dugout with a ball like that, that one in Oakland. Yeah. They yeah, he he just has some weird yeah 
voodoo or something. But <laughs> what do you think about uh, Bobby over Liam? Yeah, you know, Bobby was pretty damn consistent. And yeah. I, I think Liam's on his way. He's getting there. He's had some really nice outings, you know, in a row. But um, Bobby Jenks and that he, year. Doesn't he, like, lead the league in blown saves? Or? The team, the White Sox as a team, I think, have, boy, six, maybe more. I know he has six. You know, yeah. I, I was watching some. I was watching the um, baseball network the other day. The Philadelphia Phillies have thirty blown saves this year. I'm glad we're not the Phillies. Whoa! That yeah, talk about bad. They have nobody okay. in the back end of their bullpen. But yeah, I think Liam's because I think he was thirty. I think he was thirty four of thirty four of thirty nine or something like that. So five or six blown saves. Yeah, but okay. uh, yeah, but I, I hey, you can't go wrong with Bobby Jenks, especially that year. And people forget that Bobby Jenks that year was the third closer because they started the season with Shingo Takatsu. Then they went oh, yeah, to I forgot all about that. And, and then Dustin Hermanson. And then oh, yeah. yeah, and then Bobby Jenks. So yeah, who came out of nowhere. Yes, he did. He comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden the White Sox get into the World Series. I appreciate the call, Nick. Thanks a lot. Thanks. 312-332-3776. Hey Sox fans, lock in your seats for 2022 with a ticket package and get postseason access for 2021. The time is now. Don't miss any of the action to come. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash season tickets or call 312-674-1000. Callers sitting in there. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back. We'll talk to you. We'll talk about the back end of the bullpen for the White Sox. We'll talk about Dylan Cease, the lineup. We're here till 530 on ESPN 1000, Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. Follow us on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. White Sox, Red Sox again tonight, 6-10 first pitch. Glenn Casper, Connor McKnight on the call here on ESPN 1000, Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. Get back to your calls in a second. also want to talk about, um, I got the Red Sox lineup, talk a little bit more about Dylan Cease, and I still want to talk more about the back end of the bullpen. But first, let's go on out to Beecher and Jim. Jim, you're on ESPN 1000, White Sox Weekly. What's up? Hey, Fred, always good to talk to you, man. You're really, really good to listen to all these years. So Thanks, keep it Jim. up, man. I appreciate it. What's up? Hey, <laughs> the, reason I, the reason I called was about Eloy Jimenez, okay? Yeah. Uh, if you go back to his, even his years with the Cubs before the Sox traded for him, he had injury issues every year. It was something. He gets traded to the White Sox every year. It's one thing or another. What I'm saying is this. Going forward, you know, into 2022 and beyond, Eloy is never going to be more than a 100 to 110 game a year player because of his makeup, karma, whatever you want to call it. He's never going to answer the bell. Never. I'll predict that right now for 150, 160 games. Uh, the White Sox, I think if the, they would never admit it behind closed doors, they know this and, uh, uh, they might want to start thinking of, well, are we okay with a hundred year, our hundred game a year player, or should we try to, eh, in effect, uh, switch around our assets? If you know what I'm talking about. Are you saying? So, are you please. saying? Are you saying? No matter if he's a uh, in the in the field or is a DH, he's just got the karma. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. It doesn't matter. Something, something or other is going to get him uh, every year. I don't care what it is. It's going to happen because that is just him. Look at the record, Fred. 
I mean, uh, the Cubs signed him in 13. That's eight years ago. And every year, Fred, it's something. Every year. Do you remember? So, do you that's re- what I'm saying. Yeah, do you remember Go watching ahead. him? Did you watch him in the Futures game when he was still in the Cubs organization when he made that great catch at Petco down the right field line and fell into a fell fell over the stands uh, in right field back then? It was in the Futures game. It was, yes. Everybody was talking about the great catch, and we should have realized that it was reminiscent of what he was going to do in the future, just fall into things. Well, you know, I, I guess that's all I'm saying is that's my perception of what the White Sox have in him. Right. And uh, like I say, 150, 160 games a year, 600 at-bats or more, never going to happen. Never going to happen, period. Jim, appreciate so, your thoughts. Yeah, appreciate the call. You know, I, what I think you do with a guy like that is you ride him out. I mean, you've got him signed to a long-term deal. You ride him out for his offense if, in fact, you're, if in fact you're correct. You ride him out for his offense, what he can do with the bat, uh, his RBIs, his home runs, um, and you ride him out for that. And as you're doing that, like every good team should do, you build your minor league system. You look for the next guy that's going to be able to replace him. Uh, If, in fact, uh, that is the case, I mean, there were many people that going into the year this year did not want to see him in the outfield again. They said, no, don't put him out there. He can't be back in the outfield. He's too valuable as a hitter. I'm looking here. He returned to the lineup last night. He missed two games with a right knee contusion. He was sitting in the dugout in Oakland and got hit. Um, He started 21 games in left field and 15 as the DH this year. Yeah, he's been hurt a lot. He's been hurt quite a bit. Um, he debuted on uh, July 26th, this after missing 99 games with a torn pectoral tendon. So it's hard for anybody to disagree with you because we don't know the future. So, Jim, we'll see how it all plays out going forward. One of the things we discussed, I'm sure we, it was discussed on White Sox Weekly. I know it was discussed on ESPN 1000 on our shows on game days, on Saturdays and Sundays. But it was, what is Tony LaRusso going to do with the bullpen? It looks like you took Craig Kimbrell, a guy that's known as a closer, and you put him in the eighth inning. And now you have Liam Hendricks in the ninth. And they were both struggling. A little while there, they were both struggling. Kimbrell was struggling in the eighth inning, and people said, well, he's a closer. He's not used to pitching in the eighth inning in a non-save situation where you had um, – Liam Hendricks saying, well, maybe there's some pressure on him now because he goes out there, and he struggled after the White Sox picked up um, Craig Kimbrell. I'm looking here. Liam Hendricks now has recorded his eighth straight save yesterday, 34th overall. Um, he's he's 9 for 9 in save opportunities when tossing at least one in the third innings. He's looking to become the first Sox reliever to earn nine-plus wins in a season since Barry Jones. Now, that's not a good record, okay? You don't want to, if you're, if you're a reliever, you don't want victories because that means you gave up the lead and then your team came back and got it. And I remember he when he got his sixth win, he said, well, that's not something I'm looking forward to, not something I'm proud of because that means I blew something and then the team was able to come back and get a victory. But Liam Hendricks, his eighth straight save yesterday, his 34th overall. Now, Craig Kimbrell, he's gone three for three with a 210 ERA, five holds and 45 strikeouts in non-save situations. Uh, five of his last six appearances have been scoreless. He did make you worry a little bit yesterday, but he did get out of the inning he was in 
I've got my trusty score sheet right here. And when Kimbrell came in, strikeout looking of Renfro, Bogarts walked. He got Devers on a pop-up to the third baseman, Moncada, and he struck out Dahlbeck. So I know at that time it was 4-3. to three. It was a tight game. And when he walked Bogarts, you get a little concerned, especially with a guy like Rafael Devers coming to the plate. But he worked it out. And it appears that Tony La Russa, instead of panicking, instead of saying, okay, maybe we have Hendricks as the eighth-inning guy and move Kimbrell to the ninth-inning guy, he let it play out. And it appears that the back end of the bullpen has figured itself out. And if, in fact, that's the case, the White Sox are in good shape going forward. You've got so many setup guys leading in. Bummer's pitching a little better of late. Ryan Tapera a little bit better. Yesterday, a rough little outing on a bad bloop triple that Brian Goodwin couldn't get. But um, that everybody says the White Sox bullpen is their strength. And we saw all of them yesterday. In my opinion, Michael Kopech's got to get back to where they need him. A guy that throws his fastball. That's what he's known for. Get in there, throw your fastball, locate your fastball, and, you know, do what they need you to do. I love when Crochet can come in. Um, I like, I'm actually starting, usually when Aaron Bummer came in, I would get nervous. I'd start sweating, just sitting on the couch in my air-conditioned basement. Aaron Bummer's coming in. I said, oh, no, that's not good. But he's getting better. He's getting, he's figuring it out. He's getting it together. Perfect time to be doing it. Hey, join us this Saturday. Would this be for today? Join us this Saturday for the run your socks off. Well, hopefully you made it out there. Racers crossed the finish line on the field, followed by the post-race party on a concourse presented by Michelob Ultra in person and virtual race options. Learn more at whitesocks.com slash run. The White Sox always have things going on. For the fans, it is a great time to get tickets for next season because you do get some priority for 2021 and 2021 playoffs. And we know the White Sox will be in the playoffs. We're hoping that they can play well down the stretch and have home field when they take on the Astros in what appears to be the uh, matchup that they will play first. 312-332-3776. We come back. We'll take a look at the Red Sox lineup for this evening. We'll talk about the White Sox lineup again. Also, we'll run down Dylan Cease, how good he has been at home, right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox Weekly Saturdays on ESPN 1000. Welcome back in. Dylan Cease taking the bump tonight for the White Sox when they take on the Red Sox at Guaranteed Rate Field. We will talk more about Dylan Cease in just a bit. First, let's get back to the calls. 312-332-3776 here in White Sox Weekly. We go to the south side. And Larry, hey, Larry, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Yeah, I'd like to know one question. I know they arrested the, the pitchers, right? They arrested them. They, you know, they may have been injured. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But he arrested them. Right. Uh, what's the deal with Tim Anderson, though? I don't get him. I mean, I don't I don't understand. They haven't hit their whole lineup this whole year in that lineup this year. Have I, I'm mistaken? I we run out back, he went out. I, think, I, I mean, what's going on there? I think, I mean, I think they had it twice. I think twice they had their, their full their full list of players. Twice right. this year, I think. Right. Not enough, though. No. My thing is this. They had, they got Houston. They wanted to try to get that home field advantage with Houston. And I don't understand again too cute. Is that what this is? Because they're cocky because they keep on. This guy has been going more often than not lately, and I, I don't. I thought Tim Anderson was better than that. I thought this guy wanted to play. 
Well, I think he wants to play. And I think that his legs are worse than they originally said, okay? Because when they first said it, they said his legs are tired. He's going to take a couple days off. It's been a lot longer. He has not played since August 28th, okay? Yeah. And I think that's kind of disturbing because right now it's like he's like a, a ghost now. Well, he's he's there. He's there each and every game. He's just not out on there on the field. And I know I'd rather have the, – the White Sox would rather have him out there than Danny Mendick or Lurie Garcia. Yeah, I'm sick of looking out. at Danny Mendick. I'm tired <laughs> of looking at him. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's why these games – that's why they can't get past that 22-game 20, over thing. Because they got, every time you run into – or, or uh, Keiko pitching or something like that, and Anderson not being there. That's why they can't get over that threshold for nothing. I mean, that's my opinion. That's all. Larry, I appreciate the call. And, and listen, there's a lot of White Sox fans that are frustrated because that Anderson's not there. But when, unfortunately, in my opinion, that's not, you want to play their be, your best ball all season long. But it does appear that they're trying to make sure their guys are ready for the stretch and for the postseason, which is obviously great. You want them all there. But at during this little time when you have Giolito on the IL, Lance Lynn on the IL, um, you have an extra extra rest for Carlos Rodon, uh, Tim Anderson sitting down for a while. It, it does get frustrating as a fan because uh, I'm not tired of seeing, I'm not sick of seeing Danny Mendick, but I'd much rather see Tim Anderson out at shortstop each and every game. And I'm, I think Tim, I think Tim Anderson would like to be out there. I don't know exactly. There's no. Um, there's no date set for Tim Anderson's return, at least as far as I know. Um, I'm sure as soon as there is one, you'll hear Connor or Len Casper or DJ talk about it because you can't wait to see T.A. back at the top of the lineup because um, for a while there is however he went, the White Sox went. And he had some really good games down the stretch before he got hurt. I'm looking here. He was 0-4 in his last game. That was against the Cubs. He was two for four before that, three for five, three for six. Remember that three for six game against uh, Tampa? He had an awesome game. The only reason they won that game, um, that that was Toronto, even though it says Tampa here in the thing. Uh, Against Toronto, it was that 7-5 extra inning game. And if it wasn't for Tim Anderson, they ain't winning that game. And, uh, yeah, every White Sox fan would love to have Tim Anderson back out there. But they're trying to protect his legs, get him in the best shape they can be. From what I understand, he was taking some BP yesterday. He was running a little bit in the outfield. Hopefully, they can get him back and get him at least 10 days before the season comes to an end. Get him out there so he can get some uh, some at-bats in and uh, before the postseason strolls around. I mentioned the series, the homestand right now is the next-to-last homestand of the season for the White Sox. So they would love to get him back out there as quick as they possibly can. Hey, join us for, as the White Sox take on the Cincinnati Reds, Tuesday, September 28th for Nurse Appreciation Night presented by St. Xavier University. All nurses and their families and friends can enjoy a specially priced ticket package. This includes a game ticket and White Sox scrub top for the first 1,000 fans. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash nurse or call 866 866- Sox game. 312-332-3776. Dylan Cease going tonight. And I'm looking here at some of the Dylan Cease stats. And there's some they're really nice ones too. And I was the guy, my hands up. I said it last time I hosted White Sox Weekly. I was the guy that wanted to trade Dane Dunning instead of Dylan Cease. 
I still think Dane Dunning is going to be a really good pitcher. He has struggled a bit, given the opportunity to pitch in his starting role for the Texas Rangers. But Dylan Cease comes into the game tonight, 11-7, a 387 earn run average. Okay, He's making his 29th start, his 15th at guaranteed rate field. He ranks among American League leaders in strikeouts. He's second in strikeouts per nine innings, behind only Garrett Cole. Okay, He's third in total strikeouts, behind uh, Robbie Ray and Garrett Cole. And he is um, opponent's slugging percentage, he's third. Opponent's on base, he's fourth. Opponent's average, he's fifth. And in wins, he's tied for eleven. He's tied for sixth with 11 victories. He's looking to become the White Sox, fifth White Sox player to record 200-plus strikeouts in a season. He would join Chris Sale, Javi Vasquez, Esteban Loaiza, and Lucas Giolito. But you look at the White Sox, and uh, they had a lot of guys that were on pace to do that. It looked like for a while there, four of their five starters would do that. Um, he's gone four and three with a three fifty ERA in his last eleven starts. He's allowed three earned runs or less in each of those eleven contests, and he went four and zero with a two eighty three on base in six August starts. Um, so his last start was not a good one. Suffered his seventh loss of the season. Gave, allowed four runs, three earned, and four hits. Three walks, nine strikeouts over five innings. Uh, Three-run homer to Salvador Perez. Nicky Lopez also getting on base. Um, but you look at it, and he's done very, very well this year. I don't know that a lot of people expected Dylan Cease to be as good as he is this year. Or at least I, I didn't. Okay, He's pitching very, very well. I'm excited that he's out there. And uh, looking forward to tonight's contest with Dylan Cease taking the bump against the Boston Red Sox. Now, quickly, let's take a quick look at those lineups again for this evening's game. Don't forget the pregame coming up at 5.30 right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Um, Let's see here. Lineups for today. And I got them right here. Let's go with Boston's first. You got Connor Seabold making his Major League debut. There was a stretch there when the White Sox caught guys who were making their Major League debut. They couldn't hit them. They had no news, no information, no scouting reports. Hopefully that's not the case today, and they make uh, Connor Seabold look bad after a couple innings. So it's Enrique Hernandez leading off playing second base. Kyle Schwarber's in left field. Uh, Xander Bogars is at short hitting third. Rafael Devers at third base. J.D. Martinez back in the lineup today as the designated hitter. Alex Verdugo is hitting sixth in center field. Hunter Renfro is in right. Bobby Dahlbeck, who homered and uh, tripled last night. He's at first base hitting eighth. And Christian Vasquez is your catcher for the White Sox. Luis Robert in center field. Yohan Moncada hitting second. Jose Abreu back at first base. Eloy Jimenez, your DH, as I mentioned. Uh, Tony La Russa told Len Casper yesterday on the pregame show that Eloy was likely going to DH all three games in this series. Yasmani Grandal is catching and playing his 1,000th career game. His 1,000th career game tonight for Yasmani. Uh, Lurie Garcia is at short. Romy Gonzalez in left field. Brian Goodwin is in right field. And uh, Cesar Hernandez is your second baseman. I saw the lineup yesterday, and, and Gavin Sheets was in left. Now, he had played right field. I don't know if that was his first game in, in left field yesterday, but he was out there for a while until they brought Billy Hamilton in later in the contest to uh, fill in as a defensive replacement. But um, we knew that when Gavin Sheets went down, they were bringing him back up. You're not going to have a guy that's got that much power from the left side and leave him down off your playoff roster. 
in my opinion. No doubt he's going to be on your playoff roster. You want a big bat like that, a left-handed bat, who you can bring off the bench when you need him. Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Uh, I think he'll be a guy definitely making that playoff roster for the White Sox. Uh, before we go any further, let's take a quick break so that stations out there can identify themselves. Here in the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. From the first Midwest Bank State Street studio, the new home of the Chicago White Sox, this is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. There are a couple of streaks going on for the White Sox, both very, very nice streaks as the White Sox enter the game today, and they are from Yasmani Grandal and also uh, Yohan Moncada. Okay, Moncada has hit safely in 20 of 21 games. Abreu has hit safely in 19 contests with six homers, and uh, Robert owns a uh, 11 multi-hit efforts over 22 games. But here's the other thing with Yohan Moncada. Okay, and I mentioned what he's been, what he's doing right now offensively, and he is. I get so many notes here. These darn White Sox notes. So Moncada has reached base safely in twenty-one straight games. He's hitting three forty-two with a slash line of three forty-two, four thirty-five on base, and a four forty-three slug. He reached base four times last night. He was hit by a pitch twice. He walked once and singled. Now, the one thing about Moncada, and I mentioned this, and, yeah, I'm the nitpicky guy. I'm the guy that will pick nits. I'm the guy that will say, he's doing really well, but, okay, you want Moncada, as I just mentioned this, he's reached base safely in 21 straight games. His on-base is 435. His slug is 443. We don't expect Yohan Moncada to be a singles guy. We are expecting doubles. We're expecting home runs. He's not been doing that. His slug is not where we'd like to see it. I'm sure he's not. Uh, it's not where he'd like to see it either. They tried to turn him around yesterday because um, his wrist was bothering him, and they thought batting from the right side, he's not as strong. And what they do, they hit him with the first pitch. The other guy who's got a streak going is Yasmani Grandal. I mentioned he's played. he has played in 999 career games. He's hitting 429. 553 on base and a 943 slugging percentage with five homers, 16 RBIs, and nine runs scored in 11 games since returning from the injured list. Not too shabby, is it? He's reached base a career high 26 straight games. 26 straight games he's been on base. And um, so he's got a streak going. Moncada's got a streak going. Dylan Cease pitching well at home. It looks like all things are coming up roses for the White Sox as they uh, play game two of this series against the Red Sox tonight. We'll come back. We'll talk more about the big guy at first base, Jose Abreu. A lot of good things this guy does, not only at the plate, but also with the glove. I touched on a couple of them a little while ago. We'll do that when we come back after this on ESPN 1000, Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. Captain Jay Hood, 7 to 10 mornings, ESPN 1000. White Sox, Red Sox at Guaranteed Rate Field later on this evening. Dylan Cease going against Connor Seabold, making his uh, Major League debut right-hander going for the Red Sox. Fred Hubner with you. Don't forget, it'll be uh, Connor McKnight with the pregame and then Len Casper and Connor on the call of the game this evening from Guaranteed Rate 610. First pitch for the Sox and the Sox. White Sox and Red Sox. Um... As I mentioned before the break, we was going to talk about Jose Abreu. And I just am so, it's it's so much fun watching this guy 
stroll to the plate because there's a reason. There are certain guys, and I know there's a big controversy out there from people, the analytics guys, and how oh, RBIs don't mean anything or the stat RBI doesn't mean anything. And no one, you know, there's been arguments going on for years about this. The one thing I love about, one of the many things I love about Jose Abreu is when he comes to the plate and there's runners on base, he has one goal in mind, and that is to get those guys home. Okay? Yesterday, he has a three-run homer. He's got three RBIs, goes back and takes the RBI lead in Major League Baseball. Okay? But if there's a guy in second base, he'll hit a, he'll hit a ball to right center, drive the guy in. That's the reason that I love watching Jose Abreu at the plate. He's a magician at times. Now, he struggled early in the season, but look where he's at now. Okay? Unbelievable where he's standing right now. He is an RBI machine. Leads the um, major leagues in RBIs right now with 106. Since 2014, only one other player in baseball has more RBIs than him since 2014. That's Nolan Arenado. Has 799. Abreu was 778. He leads Major League Baseball with 167 RBIs since 2020 and 290 since 2019. He's just a guy that goes out out there and drives and runs. And it's so much fun to watch And with this guy. He's back at first base today. He won one for, for, one for four yesterday, drove in three with that three-run homer. Uh, he needs one homer to join Frank Thomas and Paul Canerco as the only players in Sox history with five career 30-homer, 100-RBI seasons. He's looking to join Cecil Fielder as the only players to lead the American League in RBIs in three straight seasons. Not just the you know, not just in the last couple decades. The only players to lead the American League in RBIs in three straight seasons. All the great players that played in the major leagues. Only Cecil Fielder has done it. He did it from 1991 to 92 and Jose Abreu is trying to do it. Okay? Pretty darned amazing. And um, it's been great watching him. He's batting 317 with a 380 on base and a 613 slug with 11 homers, 30 RBIs, and 29 runs scored in 36 games since August 1st. So since the beginning of August, he was named Player of the Month in August. And it was funny. I think I heard Len Casper say, well, let's just call it August 42nd as he just keeps on going. Okay? It's great watching him. But it's also nice, and I mentioned this earlier, it's also nice watching him. With a glove. He ranks among the American League first baseman fielding leaders in error runs. Uh, he's first, 2.1. It's one of the stats done by Stats LLC and Fangraphs. The ultimate zone ranking, he's uh, tied for second. Fielding percentage, 994. He's tied for third for first baseman in the American League. And zone rating, he's fifth with an 847. He owns a 33-game errorless streak. Now, Eric, if he makes if he makes an error today, it's not my fault. I just mentioned he has a 33-game errorless streak. I'm talking to Eric Ostrowski, our producer for White Sox Baseball, along with Sean Davis here tonight. So he's got a 33-game errorless streak. He has not committed an error since August 4th in Kansas City. His five errors in 121 games, the fewest of his career in a full season, also was five uh, 54 games last season. Okay? He's playing tremendous first base. He has saved Moncada. He has saved Tim Anderson. 
uh, on some bad throws. And it's great watching a guy like that. He is the amazing Jose Abreu. And it's uh, so nice to see him on a night-to-night basis. He loves being out there. He loves being in the field. And he has made himself the first baseman that he is right now. And it's great to see on a daily basis. Let's go to the northwest side. And, Tom, Tom, you're on ESPN 1000. What's happening? Hi, Freddie. Always a pleasure hearing you on the air. Wish you were on the air more often. I appreciate it, Tom. What's going on tonight? Just wanted to let you know that uh, just to go over, I admit that I was wrong about James McCann. Uh, if only for this year, he's not, he's not performing well at all for the Mets. And I wanted to keep him, and I felt terrible that the Sox got rid of him But uh, in the long run. But on the other hand, we signed Keiko for too long, paid too much for him in the first place, never had the velocity. Uh, we love Jose Abreu is always go down like Minnie Minoso to me. You know, that's the kind of guy and it, the loyalty that he's shown for the White Sox. And he could have gone out to the market and at least uh, duplicated the $50 million that he got from the Sox and gotten even more. I think now he could have gotten more than $50 million and he's 34 years old. Uh, but uh, all that to say, the Sox are going to really regret getting rid of Madrigal. I know with all his faults, uh, the fielding and all that, but he had comp- uh, you know, control. He is a, a contact hitter. Uh, we don't have anybody like that. We have nobody like that. And to think we gave him away and gave away Hoyer, Hoyer's better than Tapera. And you got to admit that Tapera is a disappointment, just like Kopech. Well, you know what? The, the thing with Tapera is, though, Tapera had a bad his bad first game when he first got here, and yesterday gave up a couple of runs. But for the most part, he's pitched pretty well. And Cody Hoyer, I had no problem getting rid of him because I didn't know what was going on with him. He was really good last year. This year, he wasn't. I don't know what it was. But with the Cubs, he's been a closer. I know. He's been the, yeah. So, I know. Uh, and, and the thing is, you can't give up on young guys. He's only 25 years old. But and you know what? You know what they're doing, Tom? When you get this close, you, they're they're trying to make sure they win. And if it's not this year, it's next year. And that's why they went out and got Kimbrell. I agree with you on Madrigal. Everybody was, people said, oh, it's a win-win. Sylvie was saying it's a win-win here on ESPN on the Waddle and Sylvie show. I didn't think so because I didn't want to get rid of Madrigal. How long did we look for a guy to play second base? And he's, he was getting better defensively this year. He is a contact guy. He's going to get on base for you. Uh, and you just imagine him getting on base for years in front of Abreu and Jimenez and Robert and all that stuff. So I didn't want to get rid of him. Um, but but if they win the World Series and Kimbrell helps, you know. Look, Kimbrell is only for one more year at the most. That's why I say if we, we would have kept, kept Hoyer and not picked up Tapera, we'd have been okay in the long run. Because Hendricks, he's unbelievable. You know, I mean, I know he's blown a few saves this year and yeah. so forth, but he he is he has really got the heart of a lion, and there's no doubt about that. Uh, but I just want to thank you, Freddie, for taking my call. And and uh, uh, I don't think the Sox are going to win the World Series by no means, Freddie. But I love them. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, I've been. I remember my stepfather. Put me in the corner in 1951. I was five years old. Okay. Okay. Many Minoso hits a home run the first time I, uh, you know, the the first that I noticed anything about baseball was him hitting the home run. 
great. And the Comiskey Park, there's never better than Wrigley Field. The old oh, it was, Comiskey it was, Park. It was amazing. I love the place. It was amazing. <laughs> Tom, appreciate the call as always. Got to go. Got to run. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Bye-bye. Tom. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it the other day because I did mention on September 10th, the anniversary comes up every year, um, is Joel Horland's no-hitter. And I was there September 10th, 1967, uh, two, a, a doubleheader against the Tigers. And in the fourth inning, I turned to my dad. I go, hey, dad, he's got a no-hitter. And my dad looks at me and goes, calm down, relax. It's the fourth inning. And then he gets the no-hitter. And in the last inning, if there was an instant replay, he might not have got it. I swear to God, I think it was Jerry Lumpy hit a ground ball to second base uh, near the bag, and uh, Wayne Causey got it, flipped the first. Cotton Nash was the first baseman for the White Sox, uh, some rookie out of Tennessee or something. He makes the play. They all celebrate. If there was instant replay, it might not have counted. Um, On the weekends, we always put you guys to work. You, the listener, for the broadcast here on ESPN 1000, the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network, with Len Asks. For Len Asks today, with the Red Sox in town fighting for a wild card spot, which of the four wild card contenders would potentially pose the toughest matchup for the Sox in a later round AL playoff series? The Red Sox, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, or the Mariners? Yeah, none of them are easy. I know the Mariners struggling, trying to get up there. Toronto is only a game or so back. We come back, we'll look at that. Don't forget to join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Tuesday, September 28th. The White Sox take on the Cincinnati Reds at 7-10. The first 10,000 fans will receive Jose Abreu 2020 MVP bobblehead. That's a good one. Visit WhiteSox.com to purchase your tickets today. Callers hang in there. Don't forget the pregame coming up at 530 right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN White Sox. Sox and Red Sox coming up at 610. Connor McKnight will have the pregame show beginning at 5.30. Hey, there's still time to bring your family of four out to a White Sox game starting at just $59. The family four-pack gets you four tickets, four hot dogs, four drinks, and four chips to select games. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash four-packs. After tonight, there is only nine home games remaining during the regular season for the White Sox. They've got tonight, then tomorrow they uh, actually uh, after tonight right there's only nine tonight tomorrow then three against the angels on uh, tuesday wednesday thursday then the Sox hit the road and then they come back home on the 28th and 29th against cincinnati and wrap it up against uh, the tigers for three games october 1st 2nd and 3rd let's run out to schomburg and dave you're on espn 1000 white Sox weekly what's up hey fred uh I'm just going to mention with, with Nick Madrigal, I was a big fan too, but I'm not too worried about that one. Uh, we've had Nicky playing for us for two seasons, two short seasons. Both seasons, he's out for the year. So you're getting rid of a guy like that. You're getting Craig Kimbrell for two years. I think we're all right in that deal. What do you think about that? It's not bad. I mean, I, it's just they waited so long for another guy, and I figured with Anderson and him, you'd have your second plate, your you know, your double play combination for a long time. I know that he struggled last year on the bases. He didn't play the greatest defense, but I thought this year he was playing better. I understand you're right about the injuries, and the injuries were tough and hard to hard to go get through. Appreciate the call. And um, 
that they got to find somebody else. They got to find another. Maybe hey, Ro, maybe Romy Gonzalez can play second. Who knows? He's up here. Uh, he's playing again today. He's in the lineup playing left field. He can play all over the place. Uh, he's playing left field today, um, hitting seventh in the lineup. But uh, yeah, I was a big Madrigal fan. So I don't know what to tell you. I I missed him. The Cody Hoyer. I wasn't. Uh, that's okay. Go ahead. Be good for the other team. Um, I told you I was sweating a little bit when Aaron Bummer came in. It was worse when, when Hoyer came in. That bothered me even more. Uh, let's go to Hillside and uh, Pat. Pat, what's going on today? Hello. Hey, Pat, what's up? Yeah, so I want to say that uh, when you were talking about uh, the bullpen, the back end of the bullpen, uh, yeah. and pretty much everything else, it seems to me that uh, the good news is that uh, Rick Hahn, because it doesn't matter so much which one of those pitchers, uh, you know, the bullpen pitchers, someone's going to not be healthy at the end or someone's not going to be pitching well. But uh, all you can do is have, you know, he's stocked with good arms and a lot of good options. And I think uh, Rick Hahn, he's done that, you know, all year long with the outfielders that went down. He's got people ready uh, and, you know, got people ready to try and they keep doing the job. And it's the same thing with the starting rotation. So, um I think they're, you know, all you got to do is wait because there's no way of knowing on any team right. who's going to be healthy and ready to go three weeks from now. The other thing is about uh, being prepared and, and Han doing this. When I see uh, Romy Gonzalez coming out of nowhere, and, and, and what, what uh, I, I find, I'll, I'll be in the minority about this, but to me, if the Sox played the rest of the way, had to play without uh, Tim Anderson, you might say, wow, that's a guy you can't replace. But what I see is that defensively, Lurie probably is, you know, pretty much as equal, I think, uh, if he was there every day. And Luis Robert takes care of his, you know, the leadoff hitting. So you could conceivably get by without him, but then your bench guy is no longer Lurie. It's Danny Mendick. Right. And and that's that's where you want to improve. And I'm wondering, is that why Romy Gonzalez is here? Uh, Rick Hahn's looking for insurance in the event that Tim Anderson goes down. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question, Pat. I appreciate the call. I I, I do think that um, Anderson is a guy that is better defensively than Lurie Garcia. I know Garcia made a play last night where it looked like he was able to get the runner. They originally called him out, but anybody watching the game, I guess, except the umpire, uh, knew that the guy had beaten the play and. Um, but I mean, Lurie's Lurie. Not only that, but he's hitting the ball, which is something I don't think people were expecting him to do, um, because he's been actually very, very good. I'm looking really quickly. He's got a seven-game hitting streak. He's hitting 500 over that streak. It ended last night. He's batting 383, 426, and 489 with six RBI, seven runs scored, and seven multi-hit efforts over his last 13 games. So even though Anderson's not there. You know, I don't mind seeing Lurie Garcia at shortstop. He he did struggle early this year, but guys like that are going to. They don't play all the time. It's going to take him a while to get it, get their footing, take him a while to do, uh, develop and play, but he's played very, very well down the stretch here. Let's go back to Nick and Lions. Nick, what's up? Hey, how you guys doing? Okay, Nick. Uh, I'm cool with the, uh, the Cody Hoyer trade. You know, that's fine. But- yeah. Nick Magical, I really didn't get that because you get a second baseman who who's improving in defense. I mean, he got injured. I'm cool with Leury filling in at second base because every year he's been here. I mean, as a fill-in, this guy is hitting average 250, 260 a year. 
Yeah. So as a filling guy, that's perfect. And you wait for Nick, who who averaging he's a three hundred hitter, which is perfect for this team if he's batting second with a bunch of boppers behind him. I just never understood that. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? The Cubs asked for the right guy, and I guess at that point, in order for the White Sox to get Kimbrell, who they really wanted, they had to give up uh, Madrigal. And I didn't like it either. I guess, though, it was easier to give him up with him being they hurt this year. Um, but I'm sure they could have gave up. There was somebody in the farm system they could have gave up instead of Nick. Well, you think that. You think that. But then when the White Sox were trying to get Eloy Jimenez, they weren't going to make, you know, the, the Cubs, they wanted to get Dylan Cease. And the Cubs wanted to give somebody else. And the White Sox says, no, we want Dylan Cease if you want Quintana. So every once in a while, Nick, it, it comes down to having to say, okay, we'll bite the bullet on this one because we need that guy. And maybe that's how Rick Hahn felt about needing Kimbrell to be there to back up uh, or to help out, you know, to be the eighth inning guy with with Hendricks. Nick, appreciate the call as always. Thanks a lot. 312-332-3776. That's always the number here for White Sox Weekly. A couple other things I wanted to get to because I mentioned it a couple times, how the White Sox trying to catch the Astros, and they're not that far away, okay? Right now, the Astros are 82-58, and the White Sox are 81 and 60. So the Sox are just a game and a half back of the Astros. Um, the Astros have won a game, uh, just one in a row. Uh, Astros won their last, and the White Sox won their last game. The Astros are playing the Angels, who the White Sox get for a three game series this week. Um, so we'll see how things go. In the wild card, the Red Sox lead the Yankees by a game. They're the two wildcard teams right now. And behind that is Toronto, a half game back of the Yankees. Oakland and Seattle, both only a game and a half back. So the wildcard of the American League is is definitely is exactly what it's called, the wildcard, because these guys are going to go right down to the final end. Um, the Yankees are playing the Mets. They're a crosstown series. Boston's here. We know that. Uh, Toronto is at Baltimore. The A's are taking on Texas. And the Mariners going against... Arizona. It was nice to see Seth Beer get a home run in his major league debut, his first at bat. When you got a name like Seth Beer, you f- you're hoping you're going to be a decent ball player or or a Brewer, one of the two. Uh, just imagine if he was a ball player and a Milwaukee Brewer, and his name was Seth Beer. That would have been even better. I mentioned uh, a minute ago that the White Sox, after t- tonight, was just nine home games. The eleven game road trip they got coming up: three in Texas, three in Detroit, and it looks like they play Cleveland about a dozen games. Um, they play five games against Cleveland from September 23rd. They got a doubleheader, day-night doubleheader, and then they play the 24th, 25th, and 26th before coming home for the final five-game homestand with the Reds and the Tigers. So make sure you get on out to Guaranteed Rate Field. The White Sox uh, going to win the crown. Again, the, you know, the magic number is 12, okay? I'm not a big magic number guy. We knew the Sox were going to win the Central months ago. And um, so it'll happen. It'll happen eventually. I think more so we're concerned about exactly how they're going to go moving forward, who they're going to play. Is it going to be Houston? Looks like it'll be Houston. Will they have home field? That's up to the White Sox. They've got to play well over the next uh, several weeks and hopefully get home field for the postseason when they get there. 312-332-3776. That's always the number. Don't forget, you can always call if you're here in the city, in the Chicago. You can always call talk on uh, game day. But coming up, it's the White Sox, Red Sox, 
Game two of the three-game set. Sox trying to make it two straight over. The Carmines, as Hawkeroo would say. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Sean Davis, Eric Ostrowski. I'm Fred Hubner here on White Sox Weekly at ESPN 1000, the Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network.